Welcome in to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. It is the afternoon of Wednesday, hump day, which means uh, it must be the David L. Gray Show. And today is March 10th, um, 2021, the third week of Lent. And I am David L. Gray, and I'm excited that you are tuning in for another episode of the show. Uh, in the next hour, um, this is going to be an exciting show. I'm, I'm glad you're going. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to appreciate it. And you're going to be glad you listen. In about 10 minutes, Dr. Kevin Vos will be in the studio talking about his latest book published by Sophia Institute Press, Aquinas, on the last four things. He'll be discussing that and death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Uh, and, and so that's going to be a exciting discussion. Uh, and he's going to be incorporating St. Thomas Aquinas into the last four things. And can you believe it's almost spring? I mean, it's almost spring. I mean, it's time to get your, your, your lawn into shape sharpen your mower blades or just forget that life right and, and just turn your lawn into just just turn it into a rock garden because grass is completely overrated it's fickle it's more fickle than being royalty and marrying an, uh, an american actress that's how fickle <laughs> lawns are right and i mean think about it one day you have a great gig right you're, you're royalty you're born into it and the next thing you know this lady's kissing you and you turn into a toad right <laughs> that's grass right it's overrated um, but you know, the thing about grass is that you, you know, even though it's overrated, you sure hate it when your neighbor doesn't mow their lawn, right? I mean, you hate it, right? Their lawn is overgrown. It is, it's causing you problems. You don't know what's in it, right? Snakes, mice, you don't know. And so it causes you problems, right? But yeah, springtime is in the air, you know, which also means that if, you know, if you live in a subdivision like I do, it's that time to decide whether this year if you're going to be a neighbor waiver or not, a neighbor waiver, a neighbor waiver is that person who just waves at every person, every car that passes by in the neighborhood. That's me. I do that. I'm a neighbor waiver. And, um, I mean, I, I, I do, I, I wave at every car that passes by. I'm like a dog chasing cars. Right. And if you don't wave back at me, I will report you to the neighborhood Facebook group. I will. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't go that far, but I'm, I'm, I'm serious about my wave game. Right. I, and I have a master. I don't wave very excitedly or anything like that, like I'm Forrest Gump or anything. But, you know, just a, I extend my right arm into the air about, about 90 degrees and a flick, slight of um, flick of the wrist to the right, just real sharp, like, hey. And um, that's it. Drop it. I make eye contact because I'm expecting you to wave back at me. I am. I'm a neighbor waver. I make eye contact, like I said. Because um, if you don't wave back at me, like, I will follow you, like, all the way down the road. Like, hey, did you? <laughs> The wave at me, right? I kind of get upset. And um, I think everybody in the subdivision knows me right now, right? I think they know that's me by now, right? Not everyone knows my name. I think they just call me the friendly black guy, right? I think that when they see me at Walmart, you know, guys, hey, honey, that's that's the friendly black guy from the neighborhood. And, you know, the wife says, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a neighbor waver. Yeah. And I encourage you, become a neighbor waver this year. It's, it's a great thing. It's a Catholic thing to do. It's charity. I mean, you never know when someone's having a bad day, right? And, they, you know, you just give them that wave and they they appreciate that. They, they realize that someone cares about them. Right. That's the job of a neighbor waiver. 
and see if it's a more important job than a guy to greet her at Walmart. Now, if you live in a sketchy neighborhood with vagabonds, right, running about, don't be a neighbor waver. Wave at the police. Maybe not, sometimes not even them, okay? Uh, just keep your hands in your pocket. This is the David L. Gray Show. So to be part of the show, you can call in at 877-757-9424. Again, that is 877-757-9424. You can tweet at me at DLG on GRN. That's DLG on GRN. Also, you can comment on the video. We're streaming on Guadalupe Radio Network Facebook page and YouTube. Sis Anderson of Guadalupe Radio Network is a producer of this show, and you can see her on Fridays on Back to the Father. And um, that's whose voice you'll be hearing if you call in. If you have not already, please stop by davidlgray.info, my website, and sign up for my newsletter. And to keep up on today to what's going on, please follow me on YouTube and Rumble and Facebook. If you like, also please become a Patreon where you'll be rewarded with things, um, some of the best perks of any other YouTube influencer. Right? I have the best perks. Um, you get free copies of my Kindle book. You get mugs, hoodies. If you belong, if you belong to my team, Dominic the Guzman, you'll be enrolled in my Book of Month Club. For March, members will be receiving a great new book entitled A Catholic Guide to Spending Less and Living More, Advice from a Debt-Free Family of 16, Sam and Rob Fattinger. They'll be on my, my um, Talking Catholic show next week. To get on the mailing list and to connect with me, the jumping off point is David O. Gray. That info. How's your Lent going? I hope it's been blessed so far. Uh, since Lent began, I've been discussing on the show each week about how each each Sunday reading of Lent is asking a different question that that really should provoke us into a deeper self-examination because because typically when we're faced with that question, you know, how's your Lent going? Usually we respond in context with how we're doing with what we gave up for Lent, right? Or how we're going with our prescribed days, days of fasting. But the liturgical season is asking a deeper question. A deeper question in regard to how is your Lent going? For the first week of Lent, the liturgical readings were, were trying to get us to think about conversion as an ongoing process and asking how's your daily conversion in christ going for the second week of lynn we were we're being asked about how's your obedience how's your trust in god going now for the third sunday lynn whether you heard the readings from the sundays uh, from the scrutinies from year a or from the year b readings they both deal with encounters from God and God establishing standards in our lives. From year B readings, the, the first reading was, was God coming into the presence of his people through Moses by having the prophet give the people his Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, as we call them. The gospel reading was Jesus coming into the presence of sinners in the marketplace at the temple and turning over tables. From the scrutiny readings, the first reading was also from Exodus, where the Israelites were complaining about not having water and God coming into the presence of the people through Moses to issue water from a rock. And a gospel reading was Jesus coming into the presence of the Samaritan woman at the well and changing her life. The question from the readings at Mass for the third week of Sunday is, how are you doing 
in regards to discerning the presence of God in your life. This is somewhat a similar question to last week. How's your trust and obedience going? Well, one of the ways in which I say that we might know whether or not if we trust the Lord completely is by examining our prayer life and to see if there's some areas of our life that we do not ask God for help with. What are those areas that you don't, that you think that you can do a better job with your life than God can? What are those areas? Now, once we discern those areas where we do not trust God more than we trust ourselves for life, our job is then to seek his presence in those areas and discern what is God's activity in that area? What's God's activity in these areas where I don't trust him as much? Is he turning over tables? Is he closing doors? Right? Is he allowing us to fail miserably? Um, is he allowing rot to come into our life? Or is he trying to give us water? But we do not recognize him there. How are you doing with discerning the presence of God in your life, especially in those areas where you think you are on top of whatever's going on in your life, right? In regard to that question, one thing I'll say, one thing I'll say, and I'll wrap it up and we'll go to a break before we bring on um, Dr. Kevin Vose. I'll say this. I think it's, it's great when we are filled with righteous anger and we want to go into the marketplace and turn over tables like Jesus, Right. Or or in a modern sense, we get on Facebook and YouTube or complain about the bishops or we write a letter to the bishop or, or we start a petition. Right. That's that's turning over tables in 2021. That's what we do. Turning over tables is great. Right. I love it. My wife says that's the only verse in the Bible that she thinks I know. Right. Jesus turning over tables because I bring it up all the time. I'm all in on being a Catholic thug, but let's be honest about this one thing. If you're not turning over tables in your own life, be careful about turning them over in other people's life. All of us have areas in our life where we could be a little more angry for Christ's sake and turn over a few tables in our own life and do a little bit of cleaning in our own temple. So, yeah, turn over tables. Turn over the ones in our own life first. This is the David O'Gray Show. Voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. To be a part of the show, you can call in at 877-757-9424. Again, that's 877-757-9424. You can tweet at me at DLG on GRN. Also, comment on videos. Right after a short break, we'll be speaking with Dr. Kevin Vos about his new book, Aquinas and the Last Four Things. And we'll talk about everything we can about death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Call in if you have any questions. In two weeks, we will be interrupting our regular programming schedule for a quarterly share to keep your GRN station on the air. Why do we come to our listening family to seek financial gifts? The Guadalupe Radio Network spends approximately $4.5 million per year to operate all 37 stations in the network, or about $515 per hour. We are 100% listener-supported completely dependent on the divine providence of God, working through the generosity of our GRN family of listeners. We are so thankful that you are part of the GRN family. I want to personally thank you for your continued prayerful and financial support since the year 2000, when the GRN first started in Catholic Radio. This is Len Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network, with your GRN Family Minute. We are your Catholic Radio. Radio for your soul.
Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Access to clean water is something we often take for granted. When we turn on a faucet, out pours clean water that's safe for drinking. But that's not true in countries like Kenya, where the number one cause of child mortality is from drinking contaminated water. Together, we can change that. Cross Catholic Outreach works with local Catholic partners around the world to transform the lives of families living in poverty. Join this mission at crosscatholic.org bless. Welcome back in to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. In the studio now, we have Dr. Kevin Vost. Kevin Vost is uh, is an author of over 20 books, including uh, Memorize the Faith. Um, I think he wrote a book on health, and, and, uh, and, and now he's writing about how to, how he's wrote a book about how to think about Thomas Aquinas and He's taught psychology at Aquinas College in Nashville, Tennessee, um, the University of, of Illinois at Springfield, Lincoln Land Community College and McMurray College. He's a member of the Research and Review Committee for the American Mensa, which he means he's a really, really smart guy. Um, so welcome on to the show, Dr. Kevin Bose. Well, David, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, yeah. We've been knowing each other for a while on social media, so it's a pleasure of mine yeah. to definitely have you on, on, on the David O. Gray Show, Voice and Truth and Reason. So, yeah. Um, how's your Lent going? Uh, Lent is going well. It's, it's going well. It's become a busy one, you know, with, with uh, COVID for the last year. A lot of the external activities have been kind of shut down. They're starting to open up now, so... So I'm uh, talking to some Catholic groups again, which I hadn't done in a while. So, but so far so good. That's awesome. And where are you, where do you where are you living at now? I'm in Springfield, Illinois, about the center of the state of Illinois. Okay, yeah, we're not far from each other. I'm I'm a run a Shiloh area, not not far from far far from St. Louis, the Belleville diocese. So. Oh sure. Oh yeah. Just you know, less than a couple hours away. Mm-hmm. Same by yeah, car. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be going through, I think, Springfield, I think maybe in a few weeks, the wife and a couple of daughters are going to go to Chicago just for um, spring vacation, right? And um, so, yeah, we're going to stop in Springfield. Matter of fact, I think we're going to try to, because we've been living here since 2017, but we never mm-hmm. got to go see Lincoln's house or anything like that. So we're going to do that whole tourist thing. So looking forward to Oh, that. wonderful. If you get a chance, hey, dr- you know, drop me a note or give me a call and uh, maybe we can meet up if you have time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I look forward to that. So wow, this this book, uh, Thomas Aquinas. Do you call do you consider yourself a Thomas? Uh, an amateur Thomas. If you mean a person who uh, a person who's an expert on Saint Thomas Aquinas, I'm not sure. A person who who loves Saint Thomas Aquinas and tries to study him, I do that a lot. So I would, in that sense, I consider myself a Thomas. Okay, and your new book is Aquinas on the last four things i mean that's an ambitious title i mean or the, or the subtitles like uh, what's, what's the subtitle of the book again 
Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, everything you need to know about yeah. death, judgment, heaven, and hell. <laughs> but but I tell you, I have to have a disclaimer here, David. <laughs> My subtitle was, quote, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. The everything you need to know was added. <laughs> but, oh, uh, okay. It is published by St. Um, Sophia Press Institute Press. And they're the publisher of the book. You can buy the book on her website. You can buy it anywhere you like to buy books, but you know, definitely support your kind of publishers. So that's really funny. So now that was, that was a, was a part of the editorial criterion, right? They, they decided to do that for marketing, I guess. Yes. And I will say, Sophia, I, I published more books with Sophia, I think at this point than all the rest of the publishers put together. So, so I love their work. I thought maybe that was a bit of a teaser, but, uh, but if we look at that, you know, everything you need to know, well, um, you know, if, if you're going to get a thorough treatment of the four last things, Thomas Aquinas is always very, very thorough. And I don't know, know if we can say that there's everything there, but in terms of if you look at need to know as like the essentials, what's the most important you really need, you know, okay. it, it, we might well argue he covers that. But I will also say, too, uh, on this particular tom uh, topic, you know, Thomas is telling us the church teaching at his time in the 13th century but he's also covering all kinds of esoteric areas about these things that we don't really know for sure. So in his own writings, you'll hear him say, you know, theologians uh, say this may be the case or have this opinion. And for some of those topics, it'll be like, we don't really know for sure. Here's what I think makes the most sense. Yeah, and I thought that was really fascinating about your book because you, I mean, you bring up Doctor, I mean, you bring up Saint Thomas Aquinas a whole lot, and we'll talk about that. But um, as as you as you say, I think in your preface that. Uh, uh, Aquinas, he's drawing from other people. I mean, I'm, I'm, I noticed you're mentioning er, even Aristotle has something about to say about the last four things in your book, which is interesting. Yes, and you know, that's one of the things I really love about St. Thomas. You know, in my own personal reversion story, it was reading him that cured me of 25 years of atheism. But, but yeah, he just pulls that knowledge from everywhere. Uh, and this particular book, I mean, it really is going through his own discussion, his own, it's called the Treatise uh, on the Resurrection at the very end of his great Summa Theologica, so I'm following it step by step. He has 164 questions, and they're all in there. So my role is kind of just, you know, um, to, to, to summarize it, to kind of get to the key points and some things, to put it in modern language. But yes, but when you read Thomas, uh, in fact, some of the popes and great cardinals have said that, in a way, Thomas inherited the intellect of all the great church fathers and thinkers that came before him because he so admired them and so respected that he absorbed all their knowledge. So when you read Thomas, you know, you're also getting what Aristotle thought, what St. Augustine, St. Jerome, and Thomas comes out and specifically tells you, you know, so it's full of things, you know, St. Augustine said this, St. Jerome said that, and then, you know, he synthesizes it all. So, so uh, I, I know, you know, I'm very familiar and love your book on, on the, the mass as a symphony, and there's a certain sense that Thomas's writings have been compared kind of a symphony too, because it's drawing together and synthesizing so many beautiful ideas from all different kinds of places and is that why he's trustworthy because always you know i'm not a, i'm not much of a, a, a thomas at, at, mm -hmm. at all right i mean you think i would appreciate him a whole lot more since you know because i love dominican spirituality yeah. but i haven't really dug into him like you definitely what didn't have your intellectual conversion experience really didn't 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 go that route but but is that part of the reason why he's trustworthy as as a doctor of, of our church because he draws upon the tradition so much or do you think not and also in addition to that do we do we do the doctor saying a disservice by not testing him so much rather than, than quoting him because i know he's he's a, he's a he's part of the scholastic tradition he's a scholar mm -hmm. he tested people he tested the aristotles and people of his time um 
And so yeah. should we should we be more rigorous in testing him or is it enough just to really just trust him as a doctor? Yeah, no, no. I think if, if Thomas Seho could tell us himself, he would tell us, don't take my word for it. Read what I say, study it, apply your own reason, compare it to what we've learned, you know, since 1274. So no, Thomas, you know, if somebody wanted to argue that Thomas is one of the you know, most intelligent people ever in human history, which, which I actually did in the book One Minute Aquinas, you know, but you have to point out, though, he's the most, you know, one of the smartest people, but he was a person, and that implies, you know, he wasn't perfect. He didn't know anything, and, and he would admit that himself. So Thomas, though, you know, he, he sometimes he gets things flat out wrong, like when he, he sometimes he will use, like, some knowledge of the day from physics or from biology to illustrate some of his points, you know, mm. and this is before they had uh, microscopes, before they knew there was such thing as, you know, genetics. So sometimes, you know, he, he's way off on those factual scientific uh, issues, but even there, he does put in the summa that, you know, science changes and we learn more over time. So he said some of this may be proven wrong later. So Thomas himself, you know, was well aware of that. But I like to think that for, for most of the important philosophical and theological issues, I mean, even there he wasn't infallible, but he got a heck of a lot right. So he's always, you know, a very, very, uh, he's such a trustworthy source that one of his many honorific titles is the common doctor, the common mm. teacher, which means someone, you know, from, from all throughout the church, from all different eras, from all throughout the world, you know, there's something in him that we can all draw from. Yeah, yeah. If you're just tuning in, this is the David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on Guadalupe Radio Network. To be part of the show, you can just call in 877-757-9424 and talk to Dr. Kevin Vos about his book, um, Aquinas, on the last four things. Um, a whole lot of what you need to know about death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Um, that's not a title that Sophia Institute Press gave to it. But that's what um, Dr. Uh, Kevin Vos is a formative book. This is it's a great book that you you know. One thing I really like about, about the book, um, um, Kevin, is uh, well, it's answering a lot of questions. Like you said, it's talking about um, just basic things, but also some more complex complex things. Um, it's talking about where is purgatory in the Bible? Um, why do we need to pray for the dead to the saints? How 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 old will our bodies appear at the resurrection? Will they glow? Which is something I'm fascinated about somebody who, you know, goes to the gym four days a week and works mm. on my body. I'm interested in knowing how's my body going to look <laughs> after, sure. after the resurrection. Um, you talk about will the damned um, and, and the demons be released from hell one day. But I was, the first thing that really intrigued me about your book when I was just going through the titles, the, the table of contents, uh, you, when you're talking about heaven, you're talking about hell. This is how, this is how you word the, those sections. You say heaven um, for those who accept it, hell for those who choose it. Talk about that distinction, accepting and choosing, accepting heaven, choosing hell. Uh, yes, yes. And if I could, you know, this is one of the ideas that, that drew me to summarizing it that way. This is from the old Baltimore Catechism. There's an old question. Kids would learn, why did God make you? And the answer was, God made you to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next. So, so this idea, God created us. He wants us to join him in heaven. You know, that's why he made us. And, and through the, the, all the graces he's given us, including the, uh, the theological virtue of hope, hope, you know, is our desire to be with him someday, and our confidence in him to know that he is willing to give us everything we need to get there. You know, we just need to cooperate with his graces so in a way you know, he's, he's saying heaven's there for every single one of you. You know, do you want it? 
you know, how badly do you want it? Do you want it enough to follow my commandments and, and to, to grow in grace, you know? So that's where that idea is building from. And the idea for, you know, hell is for those who choose it. Here, I'll just quote really briefly, coming from directly from our, you know, Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, number uh, 1037. To God predestines no one to hell. For this, a willful turning away from God, that's a mortal sin, is necessary and persistence in it until the end. So again there, you know, God doesn't want us to go to hell. For, for us to go to hell, we have to, you know, kind of pretty much willfully turn against him and then be unwilling to repent and, t- and turn back toward him. Right, right, right. It makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> but how did this book change you in, in, writing, in writing the book? Excuse me. Because obviously, you know, just reading it myself, I can see how this book is transformative, um, not only as far as developing knowledge about the faith and what we believe as Catholics, but also the warning, sort of the, the overarching, the point of the book is like, you should care about your salvation, right? Because one of these four things is coming for you, maybe two of them if you get the purgatory and then heaven, right? Um, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. these these are the last four things, right? And that's, that's a fact. That's an axiom. And so I see that in a book and see how, how this book is so beneficial. But how did it, what did it do to you as an author writing this book and working through the manuscript? Yeah, that's a great question, Dave, because actually th- this is one of those books that I was asked to write about this particular topic. Oh, okay. You know, the publishers knew, you know, I write a lot about St. Thomas and they wanted someone to address what he's done on this particular. So it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, in the forefront of my mind. Oh. But then as I read this, you know, and, and too, you know, my background is a psychologist. I write the most about about virtues and happiness when it ties it a lot into how we should be acting in this life. And now, and as a fan of philosophy, a lot of the philosophers who thought about how we should live life, you know, the pagan philosophers, still had this idea of memento mori. Remember, you're going to die some way. Okay. So, so they said so. Then, so to live the right way while you're still here, because your time on earth uh, is limited. And, and I found in my research another Saint Thomas, Saint Thomas. More from England, he pointed this out about the philosophers, you know, that they realized that this, we need to, to remember that we're going to die to live correctly on earth. Uh, but for Catholics, we know that that death on earth is still just another beginning. You know, our, our time here is extremely limited compared to what comes after. So as I myself, you know, dug into these four last things deeper than I ever had, I mean, it, it had a profound impact on me, you know, especially as I'm, I'm 60 now, you know, so. So, so my, when I encounter that first last thing, who knows, you know, it could be any day. Uh, but, of course, it could be any day for any one of us. So, but just basically, then for me, you know, it just made this subject matter far more real. It brought it into my attention, you know, if I'm going to take this seriously, if anyone takes these things seriously, it should have some impact, you know, yeah. on how we live our daily lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to live our life like our life matters because, I mean, it does eternally. And I think we want to all end up in the in the – Right destination. I think a lot of people don't think about it, obviously. And that's one thing I want to ask you before the break that, you know, if everything going on in the world, you know, people and their, their complex issues that's going on in their, in their daily life. Why should be would people be concerned about something that they don't know when is coming? Right. They, they, they know when a FedEx guy is coming. Right. There's a tracking code there. FedEx. I mean, Amazon, you could track that package. Um People who are getting stimulus checks, they, there's something like their website you can go to, know when your stimulus check is coming. Um, they have an idea when their child is going to be born, but they can prepare. We know we can prepare for those things. We, we know they're coming. But how, what, 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 why should people be concerned about something that they don't know 
when it's coming, right? People think, oh, is that, I have time to, I have time to get myself right with God. That's exactly right. I know exactly what you mean with that pat tracking. You know, you go in there. Oh, it's coming today. Yeah, but what time? You know, where where is it right now? It's left. It's left the office, but I wonder where it is in town. You know, uh, but yeah, for this, you know, for 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 two things really that, that Thomas addresses in terms of judgment. You know, that that particular judgment when our we're going to be judged as an individual person the moment we die, and then at some point in time, you know, Christ is going to come back. There's going to be the resurrection. There's going to be the final judgment where the whole race is judged. But the thing is, we don't know when either one of those is coming, but there's going to be nothing of greater importance. you know. So part of the reason that we don't know when they're coming should make it even more important that we're living our lives in such a way that, that we're going to be happy when those days arrive. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, when we come back, I definitely want to talk about some more particulars about because you, I mean, you really don't dress. It's not it's not so much in an apologetic book, I don't think. But um, you you do I, w- I do want to talk to you about uh, you know uh, Protestant reading this book what type of things that they will get from that get from this book I want to talk about some of those particulars like that um, mm-hmm. also want to get into uh, um, things like you know when we die how come we don't get angels like wings or do we so I want to ask them such as basic <laughs> questions because I get tired of going to funerals and I hear a preacher or a priest say hey yeah they're they're in heaven now and you know they're they're with the angels and they have wings right you know i'm, I'm about mm-hmm. tired of that because mm-hmm. i don't know if we know and i want to talk more about uh what thomas aquinas has to say about um these last four things but this is mm-hmm. the david o gray show and we will return we're speaking with dr kevin vose and when we come back in two minutes we'll continue this great conversation is filled with order from top to bottom and it's a beautiful order and not only is it beautiful it's order that we can actually comprehend and it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it please visit father spitzer's website magiscenter.com to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and god's creation that's m-a-g-i-s center.com Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family. As family, we have a duty to pray for each other, and we would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you. You don't even have to tell us your name. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008. That's 800-395-4008. We will be praying for you every day. 
In Nicaragua, many children growing up in rural areas don't know what it's like to have clean, safe drinking water. Their water sources are often shared with farm animals, and the water is infested with high levels of bacteria. Together, we can change that. Cross Catholic Outreach works with local Christian partners to provide clean, abundant water to families in need. This mission dramatically transforms the health and lives for generations to come. Visit crosscatholic.org slash transform to learn more. Welcome back in to the David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. In the studio, we have Dr. Kevin Vos. He is the author of over 20 books in his new book, Aquinas on the Last Four Things. That's the conversation we're having here today on Voicing Truth and Reason about the last four things. And I invite you to be part of the show. You can call in 877-757-9424. You can tweet at me at hashtag D-O-G on G-R-N. Also, please comment on the streaming, live stream on Facebook and the YouTube. Dave Palmer is in the YouTube um, box, and he's asking uh, Dr. Vos. Um, he said, is he familiar, is, is Dr. Vos familiar with St. Thomas Aquinas teaching on man being judged, man being judged in the general judgment about the influence he has had for good or bad, even after he dies? Are you familiar with that, Dr. Vos? Uh, okay, saying that a person would be judged for the good or bad they've done even after after they've died, that's, that's I mean, uh, the general judgment, you know, just in general, you know, Thomas is saying that the particular judgment, we're, we're judged as an individual human being, you know, we're all unique, but the general judgment, we're all judged together as members of humanity, so, so we're all there. And yeah, and Thomas teaches, you know, that, that all of our, our, our works will be known, the good and the bad, uh, you know, during our time here on earth. Now, now, as far as being judged for what happens afterwards, you know, the, the Catholic teaching is we can't really, you know, we, we don't merit by acts uh, after death in terms of that will determine our, our final placement, whether we go to heaven or hell. Now, in purgatory... Uh, you know, that is the place of purgation or cleansing of, of sin. So, you know, changes can take uh, place there, you know, like as <clears throat> others pray for us or just the fact that we've gone through the purgation. But I'm not sure if I do know what he's talking about with that we'd be judged on, on the, like in terms of merits of actions that, that we perform after we die. I'm not certain about that. Okay. And about... Where, where do where, where would Protestants disagree with your book and or the thoughts of St. Thomas Aquinas? And I know that's a big question. I mean, there's so many different Protestant flavors, right? Um, but generally, except purgatory, I think you could talk a little bit more about that. But where, where would they disagree with the Catholic teaching? Yeah, and, you know, and it, it would depend. And I'm not, you know, a particular expert on the particular denominations, you know, myself. But but for, but for certain things, you know, like. Some of the uh, most ones people probably heard about, like at the time of the uh, around and after the, the judgment, you know, some groups uh, have this idea there's going to be a thousand year period of a kingdom, literal thousand years here on earth. Uh, and, and Thomas talks about that idea was around, you know, in his time in the 13th century and before uh, called the, the millennialist or the chialist comes from the Greek word of a kilo for, for a thousand. And, and Thomas would argue that that is based on uh, 
an over-literal interpretation of the Bible. Oftentimes when a number is used, especially a thousand, it has a symbolic meaning for, you know, for a vast a number. So Thomas and other thinkers before him would say, no, there's not going to be a kingdom on earth, you know, and then this kingdom in heaven at the time of the judgment. Uh, Augustine said, for example, at the first period they're talking about, we're already, we've already begun, where Christ has established, you know, he allowed us to join his kingdom when he conquered sin. And then the second one comes, you know, at the last judgment. So things like that, the idea of, of a rapture, again, where certain people, you know, the unsaved would be here on earth, you know, that's not in Thomas. That was really in, as far as I know, no thinkers before Thomas. That's a more more modern idea that came from fundamentalists within the last hundred years or so, you know, to my understanding. So you're not going to find those things there. But maybe maybe one of the most essential would be, and again, this might be, you know, a bit beyond my theological expertise myself, but just in general, in terms of heaven and, and hell, you know, mm. uh, you know, what does it take to get there? Because some some uh, Protestant denominations would say, you know, you, you say the Jesus prayer, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're automatically in heaven. Yeah. Uh, you know, once saved, always saved. Whereas others would say, you know, you can backslide, you know, you can you can lose that. So so in Thomas's teaching, you know, accords with the Catholic Church that that when you accept God's grace, you know, when you, when you've been uh, baptized, you've been cleansed of sin. God, you know, His graces flow to you, and it's possible though through some serious grave sins, you know, about serious matters, thing you know, you've thought about them, you've consented to their your own free will. If you perform these grave sins according to the Catholic teaching, then then you've cut yourself off, uh, you know, from God's grace. And there's scriptural basis. One John five sixteen to seventeen. There is a sin which is mortal, and I do not say one is to pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin which is not mortal. So that ties in, you know, there's the Catholic teaching of the mortal sin, which could cut you off from heaven unless you repent and do your penance, and then more venial, lesser sins, which is, uh, you know, sins where you don't directly turn away from God, but you do turn to worldly things that you shouldn't. And that's part of the idea of purgatory. That's where the, these venial sins, we can make up for all those we've accrued during our life. And also, if we have mortal sins, we have done mortal sins, but we've repented, we've confessed, but we haven't yet completed our satisfaction or done our penance, you know, made up, done the good works to, uh, done the things we need to do to, to satisfy or make those things right, then that could also be uh, cleansed and purged in purgatory. So, so doctrines like that, you know, you're not mm -hmm. going to find in, in the most non-Catholic uh, denominations. And those really seem to be, those don't seem to be benign at all. Those seem to be very significant because they point to how we live our life that we have now here on earth. And, you know, the, 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 you know, the rejection of, you know, uh, the state of purgatory. I mean, that does affect how you live your life here on earth because if, if a person is well aware of their condition and their states and they know that they're a sinner, um, and they know that they, in their current state, they cannot stand before the stand before God, right? Um, that there's a there's a there's a gap between them and God, and then I think it could lead to a person to lose hope and be like, well, how can a sinner like me really um, um, stand before God, right? And so, without understanding, that there's a purgatory, and there's a purgation to prepare you and to make you ready for heaven, stand before God, um, then. Um, so I think that that affects how you live your life here on earth. The idea that, you know, once saved, always saved, um, that also um, affects how you live your life here on earth. So all these things, all these areas where um, Protestants will reject Catholic teaching on the last four things, I think are are very serious. Wouldn't you say so? 
Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, as we, you know, reading Revelation, nothing, you know, unclean is going to enter heaven. And part of the idea of the purgatory is that's going to cleanse us of the things that, that can be cleansed, where you haven't purposely turned from God. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it kind of makes the, all the difference. And, and you hit it on it, too, you know, um, we, we should never, you know, presume or despair of God's justice and his mercy. You know, the idea that, you know, hope that we're going to get to heaven someday, but, oh, look at all these bad things I've done in my life. Well, God has given us the means to make up for those. You know, and some of that will be here on earth. We confess, we, we, we try to live right. And if all of our sins haven't been, you know, satisfied on this life, then he also gives us purgatory. You know, we have that chance there. And the Catholic teaching is every, every soul that is in purgatory will one day be in heaven. And again, at that second resurrection, not just souls, but, but will be reunited with our these wonderful glorified bodies, which is, really, which is really a beautiful teaching. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think another area that I think is, is very essential to, I think, all people who believe in Christ or all people in the world, all people who are created by God should definitely believe because we're all community. We're all created in the image and likeness of God. He established, you know, we're all in, in, in Ecclesia. We're all, all called to communion with him. We're all called to this family. And and as a family, we love one another, right, as, as we ought. We would desire the best for one another. And part of desiring the best for one another is just praying for one another, right? And, and but that, that, that praying for one another, desiring the best for one another, that doesn't end after someone um, dies on earth, right? Because that's why the church teaches, has always taught. I'm always careful with saying the church is always taught, right? Because, you know, but I, I think this is one area yeah. we can say the church is always taught because this comes from the Jewish tradition, that, that we pray for people who have passed away. And that's an act of love and desiring the best for another, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, that Jewish tradition, like the book of Maccabees talks about Judas Maccabee making atonement for the dead so they may be delivered from sin. So, yeah, long, long tradition even before the church was formally established. But, but yeah, the church teaches, you know, that we're, you know, we're united together as, you know, members of the church, as members of the body of Christ. We're all united in love, you know. And when the church talks about, sometimes we talk about the church, um, the church militant as those of us who are still alive, the church suffering as those who are in purgatory, and the church triumphant as the saints, you know, the souls that have already arrived in heaven. And we're all united in, 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 in charity there, and we should all be loving and willing to help each other. So, yeah, if we have a loved one who, who dies, we don't know for sure, you know, with the state of their soul at death. So we should, we should pray for them in case, you know, they, they are in purgatory that to, you know, to hopefully to speed their time, uh, to speed their ascent uh, to heaven. Because I think we would think the same for ourselves, you know. If we find ourselves in purgatory and there's cleansing, there, there's, there's suffering involved in that. Wouldn't we love it if our family members and if even strangers were praying for us? So it is a, a big united family. And the church teaches, too, though, those saints in heaven, you know, and also barring from Revelation where it talks about the saints of the prayers, you know, being like incense, you know, at the altar of God. Well, you know, th those the saints in heaven, they, they've arrived, you know, they're there with, with God. They don't need to pray for anything for themselves. So they're likely they're praying for us. You know, they're praying for us here on earth the souls in purgatory. So yeah, it's just a beautiful communion of love where, where the church is united in this way, trying to, you know, all this trying to uplift each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love the Catholic faith. I mean, it is so, it's so beautiful when it all comes mm -hmm. together. We're, we're talking with Dr. Kevin Vos here. Um, he's the author of over 20 books. His most recent book that we're talking about today is Aquinas on the four last things. Um, now, what did Thomas Aquinas, what did he say about limbo? 
Yeah, now this is interesting too, because like like you just said, you always know, be careful when we say the church is always taught, you know, <laughs> because certain things it has, you know, it's defined them as dogma. Certain issues, you know, come up, of course, and, and become developed over time and refined over time. So at the time Thomas was writing, you know, 700 okay. some years ago, they, they was called the theory of limbo, and it was and kind of here's the issue, you know, if Christ told us, you know, we must be, you know, born of the water and the spirit, that baptism, you know, you brings us into the church of Christ. Well, what would happen? What happens to people who, who don't get baptized? Um, so there's a lot of thinking about this. And some early in the church said, well, maybe they're suffering like in hell because, you know, they're separated from God. And, and as the thought developed, other church fathers said, no, they're not going to suffer in hell. God, God's not going to punish them uh, like the damned when it was no choice of their own. So the thinking got refined. Like, like Thomas, he mentions the, these classes that an earlier saint, Gregory Naziasm, said that, there's kind of three classes of people, unbaptized people, those who just refuse it, uh, you know, the people who know about it. Yeah, those who refuse it, those who would uh, delay it. Because, like, in the early times, people knew that baptism, baptism clear, you know, cleansed you of all of your sins. So they say, I'm not going to get baptized, so right before I'm going to die, right? You know, then, then I got a you know, sure ticket to heaven. But then some of those mm -hmm. people, of course, would die before they were baptized. So that's a second class, people who delayed and they died before they got baptized. Okay. But the third was people who, who died you know, without baptism, but through no fault of their own. So this would off, you know, we typically think of this as the children, young children who for whatever reason are not baptized. So the church always taught, you know, we, we should baptize the children. And I think in, the, in some of the scriptures it talks about entire families, you know, uh, being baptized. But what was limbo? Limbo was the idea that, well, what happens then, especially to these children, you know, through no fault of their own, they have the original sin on them that's not been cleansed through baptism. So what's going to happen? And again, well, some people thought, well, maybe they go to hell Thomas and most of the church fathers says, no, that's not the case. So they speculated about this idea of limbo, kind of a state in between. And the way Thomas described it was, since they lack the grace of baptism, they can't attain the beatific vision of God, the supernatural grace of the people in heaven. He said, but it was through no fault of their own, he said. So he theorized they will have the highest natural happiness possible oh. by the fact that they're human beings, you know. And he even had a cool quote here from one of the Stoic philosophers, Seneca. And he said, in that sense, they won't be sad about it he said because a wise person even on earth he said you know we, we we shouldn't get sad about things that are impossible to us like how many of us walk around sad because we're not the the king of the world you know or because we can't fly like a bird so thomas said you know well in the same way the, these children you know wouldn't be sad they wouldn't have the supernatural vision of god but at a natural level they'd be happy so that was a very very humane idea but i but i know in, you know in, in modern church teaching you know the word limbo does not appear in our current catechism mm -hmm. Because, you know, the idea is it's not been clearly defined and we don't know. We shouldn't presume that we know God's answer here. You know, we know God's all loving. Christ loved the children, asked them to come to him. So I think the current teaching is to say that we don't know for sure the state of these souls, but we can, we can pray and we can hope with God's mercy that, that he has a beautiful, beautiful things in store for them. Oh, thanks for that. Um... Yeah, purgatory is one of those teachings that just, I mean, limbo is just one of those things that sort of hang around in limbo, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, thanks exactly. For the, thanks for the explanation. So uh, we have a, a, a caller on a line um, from Dallas. Um, and um, Cecil, can you patch her in, please? Hello? Hey, Olivia. This oh, is David Gray, hi. Voice of Truth and Reason. Um, Dr. Kevin hey, David. Hey, Dr. Kevin Vost is here. Heard you had a, a comment or a question. Yeah, I have a question because I think it was being asked earlier, but maybe not understood. What I think the question is, 
with reference to our individual judgment, the mm-hmm. bad that we do has, in some cases, lasting ramifications. It goes, you know, it goes into the future. So with reference to that idea that the bad that we do um, moves on into the future, I think Fulton Sheen talks about this symphony, mm-hmm. you know, with original sin and how it just made mm-hmm. all the notes discordant. So what about that? The bad that we do in our life, then we die and we're judged. But with reference to what we did in our life, that continues to, to you know, keep the bad in the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. I love that. If, I, if I'm understanding that point, now one thing, the bad that we do in our life uh, keeps on going. One, yes, it, you know, of course, of course, the bad things we do can reverberate and, and hurt the other church militant. You know, if we, 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 we do things to harm people, it has ongoing effects. And in terms of our souls, yeah, that's part of the idea of, of purgatory. You know, we, we may we do many bad things on earth. We may do you know, many venial sins, maybe some mortal sins. But, but even if we confess those, the, the mortal sins, you know, our souls are still not clean. The ramifications carry on after, after we die. So if it is in terms of the venial sins or the confessed but unsatisfied mortal sins, then yeah, th- then it carries on. That's what purgatory is for. We've we, we got to pay our dues, you know, uh, from what we did in life, even in the, the afterlife. But if I understand, you know, things right, by the time of the, at the final judgment, our, our sins will all be made known as well as our good deeds. And Thomas even says, well, won't the saints be embarrassed if their sins are known? And he says, no, because it will show the greater glory of God. He could turn a sinner like that into the saint that they became, you know. So, so I think it's really sensible and beautiful teaching that, yes, you know, our acts follow us. But if I understand, too, by the time of the final judgment, uh, you know, when people are in finally in, in heaven or in hell, those will be the, the final resting places for eternity. Oh, did I answer your um, your question and your comment, Ms. Olivia? I guess the the the, the thing that I haven't heard yet is mm-hmm. won't that isn't there like a, a value attached to how much bad will be continue going on after us because what we did in our life and so will there be a harsher judgment uh, based on that? I think that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Okay, like if we've done such bad things, it's it's really you know impacted other people, and is that what you're saying? Will there be a harsher and continues judgment? on after that bad continues on, mm-hmm. like you know a horrible policy, for instance. <laughs> I'm sorry, a horrible what? A horrible. A horrible I policy. Hear. I mean, like you know, you get abortion going, for oh. instance. But this was this was in Thomas's time. Apparently, he did do some thinking and talking about this. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm wondering about. Yeah, well, and, and just saying, you know, I don't remember if I remember the exact passages, but just in terms of that, yeah, like if you had a person who who was doing horrendous things, you know, causing all kinds of old harm to others, you know, yeah, I think the say could could that person be in heaven someday? And I, my understanding is yes, they could, if if they're completely repentant. You know, Saint Catherine of Siena, she had a vision where God told her that that Judas's greatest sin wasn't betraying Christ. But by thinking that God could not forgive him if he if he sought forgiveness, you know. Mm-hmm. But in terms of yeah, if you had a policy, if you done something that harmed a person, but you, you you truly repent, have a change of heart, and embrace God, then I think it's my understanding that person could be in heaven one day, but they're going to have one heck of a long stay in purgatory, because Thomas does say, you know, basically the graver your sins, even if they're confessed, if you're in purgatory, the more serious the sins, the more the more they repeated, the more long longer lasting to where that's going to be an increased period of time in purgatory. I know he does discuss that. Yeah, thanks for calling that in. That kind of gets to it. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. 
that was Olivia calling in from Dallas. And we had a comment on the YouTube channel also, Dr. Kevin, um, is from mm-hmm. More Christ, and they're asking whether you knew about a book um, by, <clears throat> I think it was A.N. Williams, a book comparing St. Thomas Aquinas to St. Gregory Palamas on deification. Are you aware of that? That particular one, I have I have read a book or two with um, just comparing Thomas's thoughts or the perspective from some of the Eastern fathers. Right. But that right. particular book, uh, I have not had. And if that came through YouTube, or if someone could could would mind writing down the title, I would be happy to to look into it. It sounds interesting, but I have not read it. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I think she's talking about um, Jordan Peterson brought has brought. Um, you know, he's talking about deification and, you know, th- this whole thing and, and bringing in some, you know, the Eastern, the- you know, because Eastern Catholics or the Eastern the- uh, theologians, mm-hmm. you know, deification is, you know, the thing. And, and so there's a, a great emphasis on that as the central, the, the central purpose of the faith is to make us truly like Christ. So, so I think that's where she's headed there in this. In this oh yes, and that's right. You know, and Thomas does write along those lines. You know, and it's in in scripture that you know to, to be conformed like Christ. Oh shoot, I can't don't have it right now, but I had a verse earlier that that uh, um, that was very similar to that theme that. You know, and if you're very careful what we mean by deification, we're not going to become Christ, and we'll never. And Thomas says we will never. We'll have a beatific vision of God, but we will never comprehend God or anything as completely as God Himself or as Jesus Christ. We will never be their equals, but we will be as God-like as a human person can possibly be. Yeah. And we are coming up on. Looks like we're about about four minutes left. I'm still interested in you know Olivia's comment and what you said in response to her. Um, I always thought that one of the most fascinating things about who we are and who we're made in image and likeness of God and his nature, mm-hmm. it, you know, that, 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 that one thing we talked about earlier, love, you know, love is the one thing that goes beyond the grave. Right. And so, but I yeah. think similarly is that the hate or the, the lack of love that we leave here on earth or the rejection of God that we leave after we die, those seeds that we plant, man, those have, those have an interesting life of their, their own. And that's, that's really something scary to think about, about it. And it helps you, I think, really point to how we should live our life here on earth. And, and St. Thomas Aquinas, and, and speaking of that, the, you know, what happens in, re, in response to how we lived our life here on earth after, after the judgment, St. Thomas Aquinas talked about there's some rewards, right? What are these rewards that you can get after, after judgment? Well, you know, he, he does talk about some some different different classes of rewards. He calls them dowries and fruits and aureolas. <laughs> and, and and one kind of interesting one is just the aureola, and it comes from scriptural passage. just means like a small crown. He says in a way they call the aurea something we all get, the beatific vision of God. We all kind of get this crown, you know, metaphorically speaking. But some people, for certain things they've done, will get these special kind of special recognition, recognition I think, like in terms of a graduation, you know. But he says that, that for example, to make this brief, uh, uh, virgins, martyrs, and the great doctors and teachers of the church, he said, will get these special, special recognition, these special little, little crowns. And you think in terms of conquering the flesh, the world, and the devil. And he says it's, it's you know, the virgins that have conquered the lures of the flesh, the martyrs that have conquered worldly assaults, even against their physical bodies. And he says, in a sense, the great Catholic teachers, the doctors, the preachers, have conquered the devil because they've helped pull 
souls away from him and toward God. So, so that's one thing. But Thomas's main thing, if, if I have a second, it, it's just the beatific vision that we'll all get. And some people think, oh, heaven might be boring. But Thomas says, think of this. Think of every wonderful thing in the world, a small baby, a puppy, the mountains, the stars in the sky. God made all that. And when we see him someday, we're going to see the source and fount of all that. Because all those things that we find are good, they're just small little reflections of the good with a capital G that's God. So heaven is just going to be, you know, a mind-blowing experience. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting because that, that, again, goes back to Olivia's question about um, the judgment. There, You know, there's... Uh, how you live your life here on earth, you know, does have some impact. Um, is that, but, but that, that some people have crowns and some people won't have crowns. Is that, is that we only have like 15 seconds left, but oh, some will have crowns. Does that, does that set up some sort of class system in heaven? Well, not a class system, but, but he does say that, that the, the more closely we're united in love and charity with God, he said, we're all going to have the ultimate bliss. But he said, the more we unite ourselves in love of God here on earth, the more we'll be able to appreciate and love him in heaven. Amen. Amen. Dr. Kevin Vos, thanks so much for coming on um, the David O'Grey Show. Everyone, go buy this book. Make it a gift. Make it your reading. And I uh, hope to have you back on sometime, Dr. Kevin Vos. Appreciate you coming on. So I'll be back. Love you. I'll be back next week, same time, same place. And I look forward to conversing with you again. In between time, you can visit me at davidogray.info. But until then, and until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and is there for you and live your life like salvation matters and may the abundance of our Lord's blessings and graces and favors fall upon you and yours. Thank you.